It was another loss for Boston College, who dropped Saturday's game to the Syracuse Orange, 21-6. to What is going on with these Boston College Eagles? We'll talk about that on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Thank you all for joining me. We're going to start talking about Boston College's loss to Syracuse, their fourth straight loss of the season, and it it just seems to be going downhill every game that they've been playing over the last four weeks. We'll dive into everything that's happened to that. But if this is your first time listening to Locked On Boston College, I want to thank you. And especially for those of you out there that have made us your first listen, this is the first thing you do, you know, every morning you listen to Locked On BC, you are my MVPs and I want to thank all of you. And if you don't already, make Locked On Boston College part of your daily routine, whether it's on your car ride to work, during an exercise, or maybe even when you're cooking dinner. I like listening to Locked On Celtics while I'm cooking dinner. Maybe you like to listen to Locked On Boston College just doing the same thing. All right, Saturday, another depressing loss for Boston College. I can't stress this enough. Uh, 21 to six. It was a game Boston College was leading uh, three nothing going into halftime, but it was one of those um, games that just it just felt like you just could sense something was going to happen, and it was the third quarter all over again. But jumping to the beginning of the game, so going into this game, the big question mark had had been who was going to be the quarterback, and I I had predicted all along that it would be Dennis Grossell with a short leash, and I nailed it. It was Dennis Grossell with a short leash. <laughs> He played the first two series and just did the usual Dennis Grossell stuff. I don't want to bash the kid too badly because, um, again, good kid, good leader. Uh, but, you know, you know what you're getting to expect with him. He can't hit the long stuff. I think he went for a, a big, deep pass and missed badly on his second drive. And BC got a turnover on that second drive to get them in, uh, you know, with some momentum and they got nothing out of it. Just like they have been for weeks. They have just been not able to finish on anything. So Halfley goes to the bullpen. And he brings in all, the the player that every fan has been crowing about, Emmett Moorhead, a six five freshman out of California. He played in Virginia. He you know he was a three star. Didn't play at all last year. Has only started a handful of games just in his entire career. And he gets put in. And what does he do on his first drive? Hits Zay Flowers with a forty four yard pass. Now clearly they brought Moorhead in to try to hit deeper passes because he was, he was gunning them a lot and, you know, he hit one, you know, he wasn't very effective just in general. I think he was like six for 15 for 85 yards, but BC was going to try something with him and that, you know, sparked a little juice into them. But then there was this weird, um, you know, rotation of quarterbacks because at the end of the first half, it went back to Grossell. Start of the second half, it went to Grossell. Then it went back to Moorhead. Then they ended the game with Grossell again. It just seemed kind of haphazard. Halfley had his own rationale about a lot of it, saying that he knew all along he was going to start with Grossell and go to Moorhead. That at the end of the game, he wanted Grossell in there because he had more experience, but None of it really mattered. BC squandered opportunity after opportunity. There was one drive, I think it was the same one that Moorhead hit the long pass, that 
uh, Alec Lindstrom uh, snapped the ball over his head. You know, Moorhead uh, on another one got sacked a whole bunch. I think he got sacked five times during the game. Where he, a, com- com- a combination of Moorhead and Grossell got sacked five times. A horrible game for the offensive line. Uh, really, really struggled. And it was specific, particularly noticeable once Tyler Vrabel left the game and was replaced by Jack Conley. Jack Conley had a tough game. Not gonna again. Not gonna rip the kid. He did a really bad, a really tough game there. Um, who was originally eventually replaced by Zion Johnson, who kicked over from tackle. I mean, from guard over to tackle. Then they put Ozzy Trapillo, who is supposed to be the next best thing in um, college uh, blocking. They put him in, and um, it all didn't matter because they couldn't score. So this was just another game. You know, the offense, it looks disjointed. There was issues in the red zone where Boston College just couldn't score. Um, you know, they had a game. They were down to the one-yard line at one point, and they just couldn't get it in. They put Grossell in, and I, I honestly, I don't have an issue with them putting Grossell in when it was short yardage because, you know, they, they it's very clear Emmett Moorhead is wrong. As much as you want to say that he's better, he, he definitely has more raw t- talent than um, Gorsell, but it's not refined. He hasn't played in a couple of years. You know, Halfley had him in a position to do do good things. When it kind of got near the end zone, I totally got it because you need Gorsell in there to make quick reads. Moorhead couldn't do that. He'd make a first read, and then he'd kind of turtle up and get hit. He got sacked a bunch of times, right? So I didn't hate that. I kind of hated that they didn't go with Garwo with a couple runs there to try to punch it in, but that didn't happen. But, you know, that one piece where they went with him, I thought that was okay. Now, in a moment, we're going to talk to Mitch Wolf about the offense. We're going to get his thoughts about how BC looked and some of the issues that are still there for the Eagles in Week 4 in BCC play. But, all right, college fantasy fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is a daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football playoffs props than anyone in the world and offer all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid major plays you may not have even heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdown and even interceptions thrones. When you pick two to five players, the over and under on their projections, you can win up to 10 times on your entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sports entry, so you could pick the over on. Um, Tom Brady versus and along with the you know Patrice Bergeron for the Bruins. You could do all that on the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Pick is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Now you can use promo code Locked On and Prize Picks will match any deposit made up to $100 with a 100% deposit match don't hesitate to check out prizepicks.com and make sure to use that promo code locked on or go to your app store and download the app today prize picks is daily fantasy made easy this is locked on boston college aj black here we're dissecting or doing an autopsy on saturday's 21 to 6 loss not going to be too sullen about it because you know, who would want to listen to that? But we got to get we got to get into the realism of what actually happened on Saturday. And we were lucky and fortunate enough that our staff writer Mitch Wolf, who comes on on Mondays onto Locked On Boston College, was actually in the press box for that game. And Mitch is going to be able to tell us a little bit about what he noticed at the game. Mitch, how's it going? Oh, uh, you know, it's all right. I picked an absolute banger of a game to attend in person, so that was a nice little thing but you know to, to counteract your original point that uh, misery loves company so you know i think we'll have some have a decent amount of listeners this week trying to figure out what went wrong 
at least I got to say, the last game I got to was NC State. At least your game, they were in it for most of it. That is true. Well, NC State, I had to watch two quarters of watching just garbage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it was just like on and on and on. So at least she had that piece. But anywho, let's talk about this quarterback situation. Um, You know, it's Emmett Moorhead. It was Dennis Grossell. What were your thoughts on this rotation they were doing? Because I said in the first segment, I didn't understand it. I feel at this point, if you're going to go with Moorhead, just let him get his lumps at this point. Yeah, I mean, it was it was wild. And, you know, we got the word that it was going to be gross sales starting. And that kind of like like you talked about last week, that made sense, especially given Halfley's comments. And after the first, I think it was two drives. You know, the first, I, I'll say this. I thought for most of the game, I thought Frank Signetti and the offense staff did a pretty good job calling this game. They came out in empty sets out of shotgun. They caught a lot of quick passes, a lot of RPOs to get the ball out of Dennis Grissel's hands quickly. And that worked well. The problem was when they, they of course, then eventually tried to go deep. And the, I think the, one of the first drives ended in a field goal. And then the next one, Grissel misses um, Jalen Gill deep and nothing comes of it. So after that, they make the switch, which is like, all right, that's fine. Let's do it. And it, Goes decently well, you know, he missed or uh, Moorhead misses his first career pass deep shot to Zay, very close deep shot. Next play, I think it's it's almost it looked almost like the exact same play. He just hits him on the other sideline. Perfect ball. Great. They get a field goal that drive. OK, cool. Um, but there, throughout the rest of the game, I think you could tell that it kind of got to Moorhead, the speed of the game, because he was, you know, he would try to get to his first read. It wouldn't be there. And then he would panic in the pocket and then usually kind of just take a sack. So. I think I'm not sure if it's worse to go with that because essentially in terms of how drives pan out, a sack is pretty much always as bad as a turnover. So, you know, I'm not sure how much they're going to keep going with Moorhead. He does obviously present more physical talent, even as a runner, but yeah, their whole rotation is weird because obviously then you have the play where he gets hit in the head or something and it has to come off and Grossell goes back in like, okay, that's weird. Um, but so then, and then that goes to halftime and we got the word that gross that uh, Moorhead was healthy and, you know, he got evaluated and was fine. It would be coming back in, but then Dennis Grossell starts the second half and we were all very confused as to what was going on. So Grossell gets a driver too. He does hit Zay on a deep pass, which fantastic for them. Uh, love to see that. But after a few more drives, they put Moorhead back in and it's just kind of like, I really don't understand what's going on. Yeah. I mean, so it goes back to what I said. I, I had readers ripping me because I called Emmett Moorhead raw and unexperienced. And I, I want to say to the people that were ripping me, like, were you watching the same game? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, he had a 44-yard pass. But every other time he went back to pass, he kind of fed right into what I said. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not t- there to rip on the kid, but he looked raw. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he looked like a true freshman making his first career start on the road in his first action playing live football against a different opponent since 2019. So, you know, that the results were to be as expected. And, and, you know, I, there were times where he wasn't helped as much, you know, the offensive line had a pretty rough game pass blocking uh, from specific players. And uh, there was obviously the big play where the snap went over his head and they had to, they were in decent field position that just kind of killed that drive. So that really sucked, but yeah, I mean, I I don't really know where we stand in terms of moving forward because I think Moorhead, I think both players 
put limits on this offense in very different ways. So I don't really know what they're going to do moving forward. To be yeah, honest. I mean, that's the, that's the biggest question. And Halfley on Saturday, Sunday's press conference again, made it vague. So you're going to all have to wait until Friday night again to find out who the quarterback is. Cause they're playing Virginia tech at night. Now, Mitch, let's bring up the offensive line because as limiting as the quarterback play has been, I honestly put that one, a one B with the offensive line, because I feel like the offensive line is causing as much problems as Dennis Grossell's inability to throw the long ball and Emmett Moorhead being young. What is your thoughts on that? I would agree to a point. I wouldn't completely agree with that statement because I, I, I will still maintain that guys like Zion Johnson, uh, Christian Mahogany and Alec Lindstrom, maybe to a little bit of lesser extent are playing quite well. I still think the issue is mostly on the tackles. Um, I think Tyler Vrabel went out really early in the game with a upper body injury and Jack Conley replaced him. And uh, I I really don't know how else to say this than that Jack Conley can't start at left tackle anymore this season, unless they want to get their quarterbacks killed because there were just times where there were multiple times where we, he just very obviously just whiffed on his block. And there was one time where he, you know, to his credit, he tried to get out in his past set, but he overset and the guy just went right by him on the inside. And I, he's just not playing at a competent level to protect the quarterback. And, you know, at one point they took him out, they moved Zion Johnson to left tackle where he played in 2020 and put in Oz Trapilo at left guard. And I asked Jeff Halfley about that after the game and his response was pretty short and just saying we needed to protect the quarterback better. So I think they need to make a change there. If Tyler Vrabel's out for an extended amount of time, I don't know if that means moving Zion back there or means playing somebody else there, uh, but they can't, they have to make a change there. I mean, you're saying too, like with Connolly, it looked like it wasn't, it wasn't like last week where like Vrabel just got confused on, on an assignment. Mm-hmm. It was like a guy and he just completely whiffed on him. Yeah. Like, he was just one, getting one to one. Yes. He was just getting out athleted by the guys and Syracuse is a pretty good defensive line. So I'll give them some credit, but he was just getting out athleted by those guys. Now, if they want to move Zion to left tackle and move Conley inside to guard where you don't need to be as athletic side to side, I think that could work. Um, if they want to like keep Trapilo on the bench for a little while longer to get him some seasoning, but yeah, I just don't think you can have a guy like you can't have Jack Conley playing left tackle anymore for this team. I'm sorry. Trapilo is an interesting one though, because he's the name that I've heard as like the future big time yeah. offensive lineman. So if he's ready, I mean, he's yeah, gonna be a- yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he's really long, he's really tall. I think he probably moves well. So, you know, I, I'd be fine with giving him a shot at this point. If you're gonna if you're gonna start playing some true freshmen, I'd say put him out there, see what happens. <laughs> All right. In a moment, Mitch and I are going to talk about the defense and go over some of the, the nitty gritty of this game. Cause there were some other things I feel like I want to talk to about with Mitch, but before we do that, let's chat a little bit about built bar, which I just had one before this episode. Cause I took my kids out to uh, trick or treating totally screwed up my dinner. And so I went with the built bar and it helped me get, you know, not get knock that hunger down. So I felt good to get this podcast going. If you haven't tried a built bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try it. Most protein bars are chalky, waxy, or hard to choke down. Sometimes you need like a glass of water just to get it down. Not with a built bar. It tastes awesome. I mean, I, I would I would love to have a built bar um, every day. I usually have one as a snack. A low carb, low calorie, low sugar, and high in protein, and it's delicious. So many flavors. The one I just had was the coconut. Um, it's uh, It tastes literally like an almond joy. 
Uh, but it, it, the calories, the fat, it's so much lower, so much better for you. If you head over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15. This is AJ Black. I'm here with Mitch Wolf. We're talking about Saturday's loss to Syracuse, Boston College's fourth straight loss in really a game that's get, continuing to lower expectations for the season and, and really putting a dark cloud over the fan base who, who's been struggling through this. And I, I totally get it. Now, I thought the defense played really well, Mitch. Um, and, you know, the third quarter was a bit of a mess. And I thought that was more of a product with the inability of the offense to get the hell off, uh, stay on the field. Um, the de- well, how, you know, talk a little bit about your impressions of the defense. So I tweeted something out to the effect of this and I got some flack for it. Um, I thought the defense played extremely well. They only allowed 14 points and Halfley said, echoed this in his press conference. He was very impressed by the defense. They only allowed 14 points, which if you on most games, if you allow only that amount of points, you can win the game and, you know, special teams error. That is what it is. Uh, but back to the defense, I thought they did a on the average for the majority of the game, did a good job of limiting Sean Tucker in the, Syracuse rushing offense. And I know that's going to sound crazy because they ran for 293 yards on 47 carries, two touchdowns, 6.2 yards per carry. However, I believe about 130 of those Sean Tucker yards came on three carries. So if you take that away, that's about 70 yards on 23 carries for Sean Tucker. And so a three yard per carry average. And I thought that that's the thing about like defensive football is you need to look at it kind of more about the process and the the play to play results as opposed to just the box score. And I obviously like letting up explosives is bad. That is what it is. You know, Sean Tucker's a great player. I'll say that um, he was really special to watch in person, but it's not like Tucker was gashing them every play. It wasn't like a 10 yard carry, 12 yard carry, eight yard. It was, you know, one yard carry, three yard carry minus one yard, 50 yards. And that's, that is bad. I'll, I'll give it that. But on the average, the BC defense was winning against the run and to make things even better, they made the Syracuse passing game completely irrelevant and ineffective. I mean, Garrett Trader attempted 14 passes. He only completed five for 65 yards. And again, most of that came on one big throw early in the game. So they pretty much took him completely out of the game. And I think the other thing is that, you know, we talked about how Malik Cunningham kind of tore up this defense. And I wasn't too concerned about that because a lot of that came on him scrambling. And again, that's kind of a process over results thing where, you know, when they did design runs with Malik Cunningham, they were, at least a little more effective in stopping him. You know, he was still just out athleting some of the BC defenders, but especially with a guy like Isaiah Graham Mobley out for this game, you know, if you take away Garrett Schrader's that 50, that 48 yard touchdown run, where again, that's explosive, but that's 15 carries for 38 yards. That's including a sack yardage. That's part of it, but that's like two yards of carry. So, you know, he presents a much different challenge that he's not going to scramble as much and not get like those huge explosive plays as a scrambler. But I thought the defense played extremely well. You know, I thought Elijah Jones had, an, had a fantastic game, being super sticky in man coverage. Um, they did some good job getting pressure. You know, they had that big sack fumble from Marcus Valdez on one of Syracuse's first drives. Um, Vinny De Palma had a good game in relief. Uh, he had led the team in tackles with 11. He had a tackle for loss. Uh, I thought Cam Arnold played well. So I, I, this game is really not in the defense. I thought a lot of them played extremely well. Just, you know, there were times where just the Syracuse, you know, key players just got the better of them. And I, I kind of wax poetic about this, but as I kind of mentioned, I don't think you answered it there though. The offense, 
they're them getting off the field constantly and not being able to sustain drives. How much is that impacting the defense and what I, I I'm starting to think their issues in the third quarter. I I've seen people throwing up the halfway can't adjust halfway's blah, 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 blah. I think it's more that the offense is struggling and the defense is just having to do so much week after week. And it just wears them down. So then you have these explosive plays like you saw with Tucker, you saw with Schrader where it was sloppy arm tackles. They couldn't shed blocks because they're getting beat up and tired. Are you on the same page with that a little bit or am I off? on this? I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure because, you know, I think it was in one of the Manning casts on ESPN a week or so, a few weeks ago where they, they've kind of debunked the myth of halftime adjustments that even in college, like, there's not, you don't really have enough time to like truly make big adjustments. So I'm not sure that, you know, even arguing either way on that is relevant, but I'm also not sure if I, I think, I think I'd be more willing to accept that argument. If the BC defense was kind of giving up those chunk plays very consistently, like on a down to down basis, like if they were giving up 10 yards, every carry to Sean Tucker. But I, I think you could argue the other way and that, you know, every once in a while, they'll just kind of get out of their gaps because they are in the field so much. Uh, But in this game, I'm not sure I would say that was the biggest issue. I think maybe against NC State, I would be a little in that game. And against Louisville, I'd be more likely to agree. Okay. Um, But I think in some games, yes. In some games, perhaps no. I think in general, though, the defense is just getting out there too much. And the offense does need to be more effective, obviously. Right. Right. Obviously, when you had Phil Jakovic out there, they'd have like six, seven minute long drives. And that just kept kept the defense fresher. Um, Now, the other big play wasn't even on defense. It was special teams. And because it's the uh, ACC uh, network red zone or whatever they call that when it's on Nesson, um, which was great. If you ever want to hear a Dino Babers uh, pregame inspirational story that's completely muted for some reason that you can't hear, uh, check out the ACC RSN because that's usually what they do. (laughs) Um, Anyway, they they put the punt. Like watching on TV, couldn't tell what the heck happened there because they didn't have any good film of it. Uh, but according to Halfley, after the game, it was a low punt mm-hmm. um, and led to basically the backbreaking touchdown. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that play, Mitch. Yeah, uh, when when that ball came off Carlson's foot from the press box, I was like, oh no, that's not good because it. There was I, I, the reporter next to me uh, basically said that it had zero hang time, and it it really was like it was. I, I'll say I'll, I'll caveat all this with saying this: I don't know a ton if anything, really about like punting mechanics um, and all that. But it came off Carlson's foot kind of weird in that it was just kind of straight and spinning and just went right down the field, like line drive almost. And I think the issue with that is then BC defenders just don't have time to get down there and get in their proper positioning. And that's kind of what led Jackson to bring that back. But kind of as soon as that ball went in the air, you're like, oh, that doesn't look right. And then they obviously get the big play off it. So, you know, that's two pretty big costly mistakes from – the punting unit in the last three weeks that really kind of changed the complexion of the game. So I'm not, and again, I don't know a ton about the intricacies of special teams, uh, but in, in basically I'll say this in close games, you can't have mistakes like that happen because they will, you know, pretty much put the game out of reach. It's funny because I was on ESPN Syracuse there at the Syracuse affiliate up there talking about the game a couple of days ago. And they were like, talk about a guy that we're not going to know about. And of course I talked about Grant Carlson. <laughs> and now, I mean, now I'm uh, on the Friday show. Didn't uh, Eric say that the Eagles would get a special teams touchdown? Yes. He, I, <laughs> he, he did. He gave, the edge, 
you gave the edge to BC. Eric is uh Eric is um getting into some hot water on our podcast. Did you see him tweet out on um Saturday the miss me with Adazio picture on it? Yeah, yeah. And then I think Adazio went on to have a pretty rough game, if I remember correctly, for this weekend. But we'll talk about that on our next show. I almost spit my coffee out on Saturday morning when I saw that um bear on a college game day had Colorado state as one of his underdogs of the week. Ooh. And I was like, yeah, I'm not touching that one. Nope. Uh, all right. So Mitch, any, uh, I have one last question about this game and fans probably not going to care, but I'm going to ask anyways, how was the food up in the press box? Uh, it wasn't great. I'll be honest. Uh, it was burgers. And then they had, uh, here's, I'll say this. I'm kind of a picky eater. So like the sides they had, they had like a potato salad and then some kind of like, broccoli and raisin salad and i just wasn't ever going to touch that but you know the burgers were fine they were in kind of a heating tray they were all right there weren't like there were cookies as well but there weren't like any chips up there or anything so you know i i I, this is my only time i've been in the press box for a college bowl game but i would say this was probably below average all right mitch so where can people find you on social media uh you can find me at mitchell t wolf w-o-l-f-e uh (laughs) it was pretty busy this weekend with traveling um but I'll definitely be trying to rewatch the game from a film perspective this week and, you know, try to highlight some issues that maybe the Eagles can get corrected before they have to have a quick turnaround this week against Virginia Tech. All right. And we'll have Mitch back on tomorrow to talk about games from around the country. Thank you, Mitch. This is AJ Black. Thank you all for listening. This is Locked On Boston College. We do this five days a week. If you are listening to us and you have done this on a regular basis, thank you. I recommend hitting that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to make sure that you get locked on Boston College every day. And if you have already listened to this and want another great college podcast, check out Locked On ACC. It's hosted by Candace Cooper and has a rotating guest of Locked On hosts, including yours truly, who joins her on Wednesday, where I do my power rankings uh, with Candace. So this is AJ Black. Thank you all for listening. Talk to you all soon.